This afternoon I preach you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 27, and we'll read that together. It's on page 541 in the Book of Praise. Continuing on with what we confess about holy baptism, here we confess in Lord's Day 27, does this outward washing with water itself wash away sins? No, only the blood of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit cleanse us from all sins. Why then does the Holy Spirit call baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins? God speaks in this way for a good reason. He wants to teach us that the blood and spirit of Christ remove our sins, just as water takes away dirt from the body. But even more important, he wants to assure us by this divine pledge and sign that we are as truly cleansed from our sins spiritually as we are bodily washed with water. Should infants, too, be baptized? Yes, Infants, as well as adults, belong to God's covenant and congregation. Through Christ's blood, the redemption from sin, and the Holy Spirit who works faith are promised to them no less than to adults. Therefore, by baptism, as sign of the covenant, they must be incorporated into the Christian church and distinguished from the children of unbelievers." This was done in the Old Covenant by circumcision in place of which baptism was instituted in the New Covenant. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we just read together Lord's Day 27 of the Heidelberg Catechism. It's our confession. It's what we believe, and that those words reveal what we believe concerning what the Bible teaches concerning the topic of baptism as it stands in relation to different interpretations that can be found in broader Christianity. As Protestants, we do not believe that the water of baptism is able to wash away original sin. It is just water out of a tap that signifies and seals to us that the blood of Christ and the Holy Spirit wash away our sins. We confess that the sign gives the assurance of the reality, but the sign is not the reality. Although it'd be nice to have the power to remove people's original sin by simply putting some water on their heads, giving the sign of water so much power separates the promise of forgiveness from, the, from faith in Jesus Christ and undermines the teaching of Scripture that we are justified by faith in Christ alone. So, rejecting the practice of baptizing the children of unbelieving parents in order to erase their original sins, many Protestants concluded that baptism should be reserved only for people who could show clear signs of faith. Treating baptism as a sign or symbol of a person's faith seemed to fit better with Mark 16, verse 16, which says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. 
However, that raised the question about the infant children of all those people who converted to the Christian faith and about all those with special needs who came with their parents to the worship services. Was that gain of emphasizing faith by reserving baptism for those who profess the faith worth the loss of infants being included in God's covenant and congregation? For centuries before the Protestant Reformation, infants had been recognized as members of God's covenant and congregation. Were they now to be excluded from the promises of God as a reaction to the abuses of the Roman church just because they couldn't speak for themselves? Well, anyone who knew the Old Testament and who knew about the covenant promises with circumcision as a sign of the covenant knew that this simply couldn't be true. There are no solid grounds with which to withhold the gracious sign of the new covenant from the offspring of believers. And the Bible makes it clear that baptism is not a sign and seal of the faith that a child has, but it is a sign of God's gracious promises. In this way, although the water of baptism doesn't wash away, a, wash clean a baby's heart, or even point to any faith in the baby, it does give us certainty about God's gracious work in the world and in the lives of the infant children of Christians. And I preach to you this gospel under the theme, Covenant Children Receive Certainty from Their Baptism. We'll see, and this is from Deuteronomy 29, what God thinks uh, to himself is for him. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. And what God says is for me. The things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever. Well, when the matter of baptism is discussed and the statement is made that children must receive the sign and seal of baptism because they belong to God's covenant and congregation, the questions often come up. What if children grow up to leave and then leave the church? Did they ever belong? And if we cannot be sure that they will be saved in Christ, can we give infants a sign of belonging to God's covenant and congregation. And we all know what sometimes happens because it's a sad reality that many parents in our midst have had to face. When our children are young, they are taught about God in the home. They brought tears to your eyes when they prayed at the table. And they tried hard in their Christian school as they went through all the steps, just like the other children in the church at the time. But then their church life seemed to go off the rails. It happens that children of believers start hanging out with a careless crowd when they get older, start loving an ungodly lifestyle more than the promises of the Lord, and then even sneering at the Bible and God's people until they just leave. This is devastating to parents and has rightly been said to be worse than losing a believing child to death. That's why it's very sad for a consistory to see and to deal with. Sometimes baptized members die while still in rebellion against God. 
And we might even wonder as we look around at all these baptized children here today, what, what does that baptism really signify? Does baptism give us any certainty about what will happen in the future? In the early 1900s, there was a group of Reformed churches that believed that God only made his covenant with elect people whom he would save. So they believed that the sign of the covenant, baptism, could be used as a sign of your election if you had faith. Well, since they didn't know whether an infant would grow up to serve the Lord, children of believers were baptized presuming they were elect. And if it turned out later that their children turned from the Lord, then they would conclude that that baptism wasn't real. Baptism was administered on the basis of the possibility of regeneration, which means that they thought uh, to themselves and they would say to, to parents, we will baptize this child assuming that he or she is an elect child of God. But we might be wrong about his election, in which case the promises accompanying the sign of baptism are not real for that person. Well, this might have worked fine for people who were living a godly life, but when they stumbled and when they fell into sin, immediately doubts would arise, major, big doubts about the very foundation of who they were. It would be hard for a person struggling with sin and trapped in sin not to think that if their baptism was just some drops of water on their head, then the promises were not given to them, and they weren't even called by God. People would constantly wonder whether God had actually given them an opportunity to be forgiven in Christ, or if they have just received an empty sign that meant nothing to them because of their sins. Overwhelmed with the fear of not being elected by God, this teaching made it impossible for struggling sinners to find comfort in the promises that were signed and sealed to them by baptism. Parents and elders and pastors couldn't point to the promises of baptism to show God's sincere desire for the repentance of the wandering sheep who didn't believe that God had spoken to them at all. Do you see how this attempt to enter into the mind of God about his election completely removes all the comfort of the promises of the sign of baptism. Not only is God's truthfulness, his love, his serious call to all people put into question, but the certainty of every covenant child who struggled with sins in their lives was certainly taken away. And it's important when we're talking about the covenant, about election, the church, and baptism to recognize that there are things that we do not know completely. God is sovereign, and we are but mere people. Only God knows the hearts, and we can only see the outward actions. God's plan and his purpose concerning the salvation of every person in the world is known only to him. And although it must be very clear that what God says is not different than what he thinks, there are things that he thinks that he does not say. 
There are secret things. Therefore, we must humbly recognize that concerning God's election, there is a lot that we cannot say. What God thinks to himself is to him. When election is taught in Scripture, it doesn't come with a command to go out into the world and distinguish for ourselves who is and who is not elect. Nor does the Scriptures command us to presume election, given the benefit of the doubt for a while. Rather, God teaches us to preach the gospel promise to all people without distinction, calling everyone to hear, to understand the urgency, the seriousness of God's call. And when people respond to that preaching in faith, then we can explain that this is a result of God's grace in choosing them as his own children. Like we read this morning in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And so we are walking in darkness when we try to make statements concerning election when we're talking about the baptism of the infant children of believers because the covenant is broader than election. Although the covenant is the normal means by which God gathers the elect, covenant and election are not equal. In this context, baptism teaches us and reminds us that our salvation is found only in Jesus Christ. We confess in Lord's Day 27 that the water of baptism itself does not wash away sins because only the blood and spirit of Christ can save you. That means that the water of baptism is not an unconditional guarantee of election. The promises of baptism are not limited to the elect, and baptism is not administered on the basis of presumed regeneration. When we baptize infant children, we know Deuteronomy 29 that we read together. We know what we read together in 1 Corinthians 10, where we see that many people who received all the signs still turned away from the Lord, became idolaters. There are some who live in the church as hypocrites. Some leave the church, turn their backs on God. And so we do not baptize people based on what God might or might not do in their lives, but we baptized infants based on God's command because God commanded us to give the sign and the seal of the covenant to believers and their children. Genesis 17 verse 7 was displayed on the wall as we were walking in this afternoon to see that. Baptism is a sign of the covenant that fulfills the Old Testament sacrament of circumcision and equipping God's children with rich and certain promises Baptism constantly drives God's children to seek their salvation outside of themselves in Jesus Christ alone. It's in this context that we confess in Article 73 of the Heidelberg Catechism that the Lord Jesus wants to assure us by this divine pledge and sign that we are as truly cleansed from our sins spiritually as we are bodily washed with water. The promise is given to believers and their children. And although there are things that God thinks 
and does not say, baptism is not one of those hidden things. The sacrament of baptism was not given to us in order to cause doubt or confusion, but it was given to us to give us certainty. Baptism is a rock of assurance that God has truly spoken to us. It is God's word for his people, whether it be to a little newborn child of believers or to a man or a woman who comes to the faith later in their lives. We don't know God's mind, but we do know what he says to believing parents of children being baptized. We do know what he says to every baptized member who is here. Indeed, what God thinks to himself is for him, but what God says is for me. The promise of baptism, we see that we belong to God's covenant and congregation. All children in the congregation have the status of being covenant children along with their parents. Children are not an in-between class that we have to treat as unbelievers but we believe that they are sanctified in Christ. That means from the moment of their conception, they are distinguished from the children of unbelievers and they truly belong to God's covenant and congregation. Through God's grace to us, in the finished work of Jesus Christ, even children who are not yet born belong to God's covenant and congregation. We confess this very clearly in the Canons of Dort, chapter 1, article 17. Children of believers are holy, not by nature, but in virtue of the covenant of grace in which they are included with their parents. In his grace and his infinite wisdom, sometimes the Lord takes our children from this life while they are still in the womb or in their infancy. We grieve deeply. We, many of us are grieving right now just to hear those words. We think often about what their lives and our lives would have been like if they had grown up with us. But we do not need to doubt their salvation and election. In God's sovereign power and good pleasure and his perfect will, he ensured that these dear children were conceived by believers in the place where God was bringing salvation. Children who die in infancy do not get the opportunity to refuse God's grace to them. And as parents, we look forward to the day when we will see them again, when Christ our Lord returns in glory. What a reunion that will be to meet all those beloved children of ours. They may experience what has been promised to every one of us who has been baptized for what God reveals is for us and our children. The scripture makes clear statements to parents and their children about the place of God's covenant, children, the place of children in God's covenant and congregation. Both Genesis 17 and Acts 2 verses 38 to 39 make it clear that the promises of the covenant are given both to believers and their children. The God that the adults worship is the God that children 
worship. He is the same God. Psalm 84 is sung by children too. Children, you also are praising God in his dwelling place. You too are experiencing his favor. You know of his love. You pray to him. You speak to him. You know him as a heavenly father. You sincerely long to remain with your heavenly father. The Lord wanted the children to understand what was happening, what he was all doing. He told the parents to teach their children what was happening in the Old Testament sacrifices and feasts together along with the adults. And today, too, children are called to the worship services along with their parents. In the New Testament, when baptism replaced circumcision because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, Paul baptized entire households. See Acts 16, for example. And that reminds us of Abraham's obedience in Genesis 17. Ephesians is a letter addressed to the saints that includes direct instruction for children. In Mark 10, verses 13 to 16, the Lord Jesus left no doubt about the place of children in God's covenant and congregation, though he did ask adults, are, are you also those who belong? Are you dependent on the Lord? And he taught then that the privilege of receiving this grace already as infants comes along with a call to a new obedience in our lives. If promises are like presents that baptized children can be sure that they have, they also come with the obligation to receive this grace of God, to open up these presents, these promises in faith. Every covenant, we say, comes with a promise and an obligation. The reality signified by baptism calls us. It calls us to turn to this one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to live in Christ as our Redeemer and Savior. The covenant promises of baptism are fulfilled through the work of the triune God. And baptized people only share in this work through faith. Although we recognize the complete sovereignty of God, we can also recognize that He calls every person to repent and to believe. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, has that statement that we must live with. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. The promises of the covenant that are signed and sealed to us in our baptism are not a guarantee of our own election. But they come with this promise, this beautiful offer of God's grace to us in Jesus Christ. And with the offer of the promise of the gospel, the Lord calls us. He calls us with a, with a booming voice to trust Him, to love Him, to worship Him with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Parents of in, uh, of infants who are baptized will be sure to let their children know what God has spoken to them by name specifically. It's good to begin 
the instruction of our children by reminding them of the day they were baptized, the day the promises were spoken, their name was mentioned in the presence of God and his congregation. You could tell them it was uh, cold and a snowy day in Edmonton, Emmanuel, or another church where they were baptized. You could show them a picture of this church building so that they understand it was real. You could tell them you were wearing this or that. And that beside the congregation, these were the, the special witnesses there. When you go home today, maybe parents can pull out some photo albums and we can discuss this as adults and our children about that day of baptism, the day that their name was mentioned. They were baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we could tell our children that there in front of the congregation to which they already belonged, God extended his hand of grace to them to call them by name into his gracious love with water that was bought by the blood of his son. The father established his covenant with you. He gave you beautiful promises of the forgiveness of your sins and everlasting life in Jesus Christ. Dear baptized member of Christ's church. He spoke those words for you because you are distinguished from the children of unbelievers. You belong to God's congregation. And we can teach our children by telling them that as a parent, I love this triune God very much. And I want to tell you all that I know about his infinite grace, his sovereign providence, his self-sacrificial love, and his constant nearness to all who believe in Jesus Christ. I want you also to know that no matter what you are facing, no matter what you have done, his promises have been given to you, signed and sealed with the water of baptism. Those promises are seriously meant. God is, doesn't lie to us. He doesn't just say something. He doesn't just throw about words. Those words are as seriously meant as I saw the water on your head on the day you were baptized. In God's grace, we can tell our children, you are in the place of his saving work a member of the body of Christ, and leaving the church and entering judgment under the anger of God is never going to make things better. Rely on His promises, His words to you. Parents will also show their faith and trust in the Lord. They will say what they also do, what is more edifying for a child of God's, a child of the covenant than to see their own parents praying together, kneeling before the Lord, worshiping Him, singing with joy to show the faith in our lives. Then the children don't just need to hear some words about how great the Lord is, but they are also able to see, to see the joy and the love of their parents. Having our children participate 
in the catechism instruction in the church, working together to, to give our children an, a, a Christian education. There are ways that, that parents show they truly love their children and want them to enjoy the fullness, the reality of all the promises that we have received. What God reveals is meant for us and our children. It is meant for me. It is meant for you to hear. The Lord ensured that you were set in a place where you could worship Him. He gave you rich and beautiful promises. He extends His love. He guides you through His Word. And if you believe in Him, He dwells in your heart by His Holy Spirit. Believers and their children receive certainty about God's love, God's faithfulness. Although the water of the sign dries quickly, the promises of the covenant remain stamped upon us for the rest of our lives. We always have the promises. May we and our children rejoice in God's grace every day so that we do not turn away from from His grace, but that we may all together appear before the judgment seat of God, cleansed from our sins in the blood of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. God's people go with the certainty of God's Word and His promises signified and sealed to us in baptism. And we go from strength to strength, from one generation to the next generation, until each appears before God in Zion in glory. Amen. And now